Hi and welcome. I'm your host, Maida, and this is the Catalyst Club podcast, a show where I sit down with catalysts of change who have been there, done that, and even gotten the souvenir t-shirt. Our topics focus in the communication layer of the tech stack, where software, infrastructure, and services come together to deliver outstanding CX and digital employee experience. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Catalyst Club Table Talk. I am Maida, Marketing Manager at CXponent and today's moderator. For today's event, we have the honor of hosting, and I am going to butcher your name as everyone else. I'm going to help mine. you out. Sinead, just say it's Sinead. Aylward. <laughs> VP of Contact Center Technology at Endurance. Sinead is a transformation leader whose career spans for almost three decades, and she's delivered projects in the field of healthcare, finance, education, industry. Sinead, welcome. Pleasure to be here. And we're so excited to have you. We're going to jump right in. Let's get you started. Can you tell us more about yourself, how you got to where you are today, and how this journey has led you to today's topic of data doesn't lie, you don't actually need to return to office, and I will give you hosting duties. That sounds good. So again, welcome, everybody. Nice to talk to a new group of people. I'm going to share a little bit about the endurance journey today and the history that got us to this journey. So first off, I'm going to say it's a little brave of me to say you don't actually need to return to the office, but I'm going to strike off with that one anyway and see where we go. Lots of opinions in the industry as to what we should or shouldn't do right now. Best thing we can do is understand that the data is painting a picture for us. We're talking call center today, and call center is one of the most measurable types of role that exists in the various industries that we look at. It's very easy to see whether people are working or not working or supporting your mission or not supporting your mission. And that's what underpins the journey at Endurance and what we've worked on over the last several years. You've heard the introduction. You'll find me on LinkedIn. And if you're interested in spending a little bit of time getting to know me, check out my TED Talk called Elevating Fatherhood. So who's Endurance? That's what we're going to cover today. The challenges we solved over the last several years should call centers return to the office, and also some key takeaways. I'll keep them simple. So first off, I want you to understand who endurance is. I think that that's uh, helpful for us in underpinning this discussion. So from endurance's point of view, we're in the industry of vehicle protection. We're the only vehicle protection provider that keeps the entire customer life cycle in-house. That means that we support the sale. We do customer service. We do claims coverage and we do claims adjudication. And that's important because when we look at other companies, some companies do portions of it, but we do the entire job end to end. And that's our value in the industry. We're selling something that we manage and support. I came to Endurance a number of years ago and you know, very quickly began to understand that the business did have some challenges. I met with all of our business leaders and you know, sometimes there's a lot of deep questions that you can ask when you meet business leaders. But for me, it was very simple. What's going well? What's not going so well? And what would you like to change? By doing that, it exposes a lot of the pain points. So those are the three things that really got the conversation going. I had to understand a lot about endurance. And one of the things that's really interesting about endurance is we're unashamedly a call center. That's what we do. We sell over the phone, we support over the phone, and we adjudicate claims over the phone as well. Now we have other channels that we've introduced since our transformation but that's where we started. We were 95% in person with direct 
one-to-one leadership, or I should say manager to team leadership, right there on the floor. We're very hands-on leadership and focused on an immediate impact. You might say that that's a tactical way to run your business. And that is in, in some ways true. Obviously, there's a strategic component to that too, but there was very much a focus on what the eye could see. If I could see you were talking, you were talking. If you were talking, you were managing the business of the company. And that's really where we started as a company in terms of you know, supporting our agents, supporting in-person. And there was very much a belief that if we were in-person, if we were to manage our, our team in-person, that we could have a direct impact on them. Um, what we started to see as we journeyed along and, and understood more is there were a ton of technical challenges at Endurance. When I joined, they had a phone system. I'm not going to name. There's no need. I had never heard of it when I started talking to Endurance, but it didn't stop me because ultimately they knew that they had to make a transformation and they had budgeted for that. So it was never about trying to make what they had work. It was about taking them on that technology leap that brought them to where they needed to go. In a way, if you like hockey, you'll appreciate this, but I, I, my, my husband and I like to watch hockey together, and, and one of the hockey great in Canada is Wayne Gretzky. And, and Wayne Gretzky used to say, I, I skate to where the puck is going, not where it's been. And it applies so well to IT architecture, because we, we don't want to think about the tactical next steps. We don't want to think about, well, if I replace this box with this box, then I'll have a more supportable architecture. Yes, it's true, but really, we want to underpin where the business is going. So while we have technical challenges, we want to understand where the business is going, what the business needs to change. So as we started to see these challenges that they had, they had a lot of challenges in terms of the technology stability. They had to do a lot of manual intervention to keep things going in a crisis. They had a significant reliance on voice over anything else. They had a lot of limitations in terms of even being able to transfer calls to other groups. They had tremendous limitations in reporting. And by that, I mean, they had no end-to-end reporting. They had no way to see the end-to-end life cycle of a call and the impact of that call. They did a lot of work in their staffing through spreadsheets, through manually predicting what they would need to do in the future, hiring around manual predictions. They had no way of measuring results of things that call center people take for granted, like staffing and adherence. Are people where they need to be when we need them to be there? Are they doing what we expect them to do? We also found a lot of business practices that didn't align with our goals. Inconsistency in people's logins and participation times. We saw issues where people would refuse certain types of calls or whole queues. They were very manually based in terms of collecting money, in terms of outbound dialing. And just in general, it wasn't how we wanted to run our company. So a lot of technical issues there that really needed to be addressed. So what I did to help look at that for the company was help them to kind of measure what they do on a capability model that I developed several years ago. So why is the capability model important? Essentially, you need to be able to understand where you are and where you're going. So for me, there's four levels of capability. There's a basic level, a comprehensive level, a holistic level, and a transformative level. And and I basically mark them as levels one through four. At a level one and basic level, you're talking basic phone features, basic hunting or queuing of calls, and very minimal reporting. 
at a comprehensive level, you're looking at some of your traditional call centers, the ability to, to manage your calls, to report. But in a lot of these cases, you're talking about standalone reporting. You're talking about external solutions for voicemail, or for email, for chat, for SMS. When you move up from level two to level three in a holistic, then we start to think about things like omni-channel, which is you know, the merging of all of the different channels of contact, such as we said before, email, chat, voice, SMS, as well as integrating with uh, CRM and other products, integrating reporting so you can not just report on the number of calls you had, but the results of those calls, and also blending dialer calls, et cetera. And then when you move from holistic to transformative, now you're looking at, well, not just that I'm processing calls, because all of this is about processing contacts eventually, but how, what am I doing that's transformative? What am I doing that's changing the business? Using products like predictive chat, generating leads through chat, co-browsing, helping assist self-service, using products like analytics, artificial intelligence, and automation to transform the call center. So from an endurance point of view, what I did was a technology analysis to understand what their current state was. And essentially what I did was I looked at this current state across the four towers of basic, comprehensive, holistic, and transformational. And in a matrix of six different domains, which would be technology, scalability, supportability, risk compliance, reporting, and extensibility. But the idea that overall, we're, we're trying to run a business and we're trying to change how we run that business. Ultimately, we were in a current state of somewhere between one and two. And I like to say two, I mean, from I use a car analogy to explain our company to our executives. And my car analogy was, it's a 2005 Honda Civic. It works, runs nice. It can probably run for a decent amount of mileage after this, but it's not a game changer. When you get into the holistic world, and you start to think about the technologies that can bring these capabilities together. You know, we, we get into, in terms of car analogy, better cars, uh, higher end luxury vehicles. But when we get into that transformational and enabler world, we're really visioning beyond our current business state. And, and that's what our business wanted to do. So three statistics is what we looked at. We built a business case on improving occupancy and improving the time we spent on calls based on popping custom custom screen pop, giving contextual data to the representative who was handling the call, and then also improving visibility by reporting end-to-end data. And in reality, that hope that we would improve our occupancy by 10%, it was actually 38%. We were able to save 25 seconds per call by increasing, but I will say increasing that ability to connect with the customer quicker because of a screen pop, but also that gives more time in the day. That gives the opportunity for better sales, for more sales, for more revenue. And then lastly, in terms of end-to-end reporting, we actually now pull all of our data from all of our platforms into Power BI. So we're able to see the data map to results. So we've been able to give the executives a full view into how our business is operating. I'm going to give you a quick journey here and say we started in July 2019 in this journey. We hoped to be live by November. It was actually the following February because we found some issues. Like any platform, particularly newer cloud platforms, sometimes it isn't until you match them up to your business needs that you start to realize that there are challenges with the platform as purchased. So for us, we found that we needed to build a custom lead engine to feed into the platform we chose. And that just took a little bit longer. So my roadmap starts in a lot of different milestones, but ends in COVID. In February 4th, we brought our last site and our last call center, our last sales floor 
up on NICE in contact. That was the platform we chose at the time. We looked at a lot of different platforms and truly a lot of platforms could have met our needs. This is just where we ended up. But the biggest part of our journey then ended in a massive COVID milestone. So February of 2020, we realized we needed to consider moving home before we had to move home. And if you ever want to be the hero of your journey, all I can say is deliver a cloud solution a few weeks before you needed it. <laughs> so we're very lucky that our timelines aligned perfectly with where the business needed us to go. As you can imagine, though, this brought up a lot of challenges for us. It was a massive change in culture overnight. We, we had a lot of concerns that we needed to address in, in that world. From a business point of view, they were worried about employee engagement, productivity, results. You know, Would productivity decrease? Would results be impacted in, in some way? But IT also, we weren't beyond concerns. We were concerned about the uncontrolled environment of the house. We were worried about home internet quality. We're, we're worried about the most basic thing. We had physical equipment that wasn't laptops. It was not as easily portable. You know, we had to buy a lot of bags to help people get their equipment home. You know, we had Wi-Fi concerns. We were worried about how people were going to manage remote troubleshooting, things like that. But the one thing that aligned up to make this happen was very simple. There was no choice. And when there's no choice, action becomes the move of the day. So for us, we had to take action. We had to deliver this. It wasn't an option. It wasn't a choice. It was simply something we had to do. And, and we had to pivot because of that. So do we return? Well, I, I think to know that you'd need to know what we learned in our journey along the way. But first off, I want to talk about what are we hearing in the market? So in a 32,000 workers survey across the globe, two-thirds of the global workforce said that they had already or would consider looking for a new job if their employer wanted them back in the office full time. I'm sure somebody else will put up a survey that says something different, but this kind of spoke to me to say that you have to remember you have constituents in this journey. Another survey I looked at, Corn Ferry, they asked more than a thousand professionals what they were most looking forward to when they returned to the office and 20% of them said nothing. Now, it's still only 20%, but it tells you that it's not just about a place for people. And if it's just about a location, then why is it just about a location? Last one, JP Morgan Chase CEO last year said working from home doesn't work for people who want to hustle, doesn't work for culture, doesn't work for idea generation. By September, it will look just like it did before. Cut to this year says at least 50% of employees will work at a physical location full time. About 40% will work under a hybrid model and 10% may continue to work from home full time. So as you can see, there's a lot of attitudes towards returning to the office. In a lot of these cases, they're really coming at it from the point of view of it's a must or it's, it's a have to do or it's a loss if they don't. And I think you have to think about, well, what's the mission that you're trying to achieve to make a choice? Like, let's get all of our people back in. Let's get our IT people back in. Let's get our business people get back in. Let's get our call center back in. These are big choices for people. And, and I'll say, you know, there's a lot of factors worth consideration here, right? We read all the time about the great resignation, this current market condition we're in, where employees recognize that they have choice and they're exercising that choice to decide if they want to work for you or decide if they want to work for another company or decide if they want to work at all. It's been fairly heavily documented. And in the call center world, we work in a world where there's typical churn anyway, depending on the level of product knowledge or systems knowledge in the role. 
but particularly at the layers of customer service or at the entry layers in, in many call centers, these are roles that tend to churn quite a bit. The other thing to consider is, or factor to consider, is that employees know that they have been successful at home. I know ours do. I, I know that people can see very, very clearly that they've been successful at home. I know our leadership understands that we've been successful at home. They saw it in terms of participation. They saw it in terms of metrics. They saw it in terms of results. And the last thing I'll say is that of all the jobs out there, call center work is measurable. It's one of the most measurable work. There's you know, hundreds of metrics that you can look at. I think I have 264 metrics I can look at at any time of the day in my system uh, to understand how our agents are doing in specific contexts. So if you're going to look at call center, you can really take the data path to understand if you need to go back or not. So for us, you know, what did it take to work from home well? And, and what do we bring forward from that? Well, first off, you know, supporting our supervisors and managers. So for anybody who's looking at a long-term remote working scenario, I would say ensuring that your supervisors have the right tool set is so important. Having the ability to collaborate with their people, having the ability to run meetings, to have video, to share screens, giving them template dashboards so that they can basically stream their dashboards and get real-time visual status on how things are going for them. Uh, scheduling custom reports so they have access to historic metrics either in the day or in yesterday or the month and building real-time views of data and reporting platforms. This was huge for us in transitioning home and then in staying successful at home. Another area of interest for us was making sure that we had periodic manager and supervisor showcases. And from a showcase point of view, it's, it's bringing the best out of people. So when call center supervisors share their best practices on employee engagement, on how they use the technology, on reports that work for them, on metrics that work for them. These are things that are really helpful for other managers and newer managers, being able to demo for each other new ways of working, as well as from an IT point of view, communicating further plans, listening to their pain points and pivoting on those pain points. So having these checkpoints and in our roadmap are really, really important. And I'd say more than anything else, that's something that we need to continue to invest in long-term because that's basically investing in innovation as well, both in the process level as well as the technology level. And then agent support. One of the useful things we found is that we had a feedback tool within the agent experience. So they were able to give us feedback on every single call they had a problem with. And well, you know, in the IT world, we deal in tickets. Having feedback that your tickets can pull from is really, really helpful. Getting log information on, on issues is helpful. So we were able to take all of the call-by-call feedback where we had negative call experiences for agents and, you know, analyze that data and, and look for chronic issues, look for problem management opportunities so that we can improve things. The other things we did to support agents were screen recording. Now, some people might say screen recording, that's a scary world. We're looking at everything they're doing. But by looking at everything we're doing, managers and trainers, they're able to help people work more efficiently as well. And when you can't be there and sit and look over somebody's shoulder, being able to record the screen, being able to look into the call that went wrong and see, being able to look at the policy that didn't sell and understand, you know, what information the agent had to hand at the time, all of that's very, very helpful for us. So then it comes down to the data itself, you know, and, and, and this is going to be key, right? If you want to stay home, if you want to work from home, if you want to maintain that world, the first thing is to not look at absolute numbers. So we found differentials were very, very beneficial for our managers understanding, you know, who had a difference in hold time? Who has a difference in wrap-up time? Who has a difference in average handle time? 
who are difference in call refusals, because these are the things that tell us who's engaged in the business of our call center, not just who's working. It's not about login time. It's not about you know, number of calls. It's, it's about the whole call experience end-to-end. It's about all of the metrics. When we started looking into this, our managers started to ask some very, very interesting questions uh, that the data was able to help them with. So an example would be, well, people said, well, we're, we're looking at people who have hold time. What kind of data would help us understand if people are muting instead? So we started to look at the analytics of our call, and we found that our analytics platform was able to yield some very interesting information on silence, where silence was something that was a call hold or a call mute, or basically nothing being said. And when we started to drill into silence, we realized that there were, there were certain things that were very, very evident. Silence showed participation gaps. They showed people who did not want to work. They showed training gaps. They showed people who didn't know how to work in that situation, who were dependent on other people to get back to them, to help them answer the customer's question. And they also showed process bottlenecks, times when people had to wait for approvals in order to get something done. So these are things that we couldn't see when people were in the office because you're looking at a whole different thing. <laughs> you're looking at, is their mouth moving on a call, right? That, that's what you see when you look at the floor. You see logins, you see lips moving, you see action, and you think that action is good. When we started to not see all of those things, the data showed us so many more things. Data showed us that we had processes that were preventing us from achieving customer satisfaction. They showed us that people who looked like they're working weren't working. So that was very beneficial to us. And it continues to be beneficial as we move forward. Other things that we started to see was, well, a lot of calls doesn't necessarily mean that it's the right call. We found that we had agents who had a service that was calling them. So, you know, we had a lot of silent calls. We had a lot of nothing happening on calls. And we recognized that the same number over and over again was being called and that an agent basically had a service call their direct number so that they would look busy, that their stats would be fine. But you know, the data showed end to end, either at the call center level that there really wasn't anything happening, but also at the results level that there definitely wasn't anything happening. So by having that end-to-end view and results and mapping results to calls, it was clear that you couldn't have that many calls and, and be that much different to your peers in terms of the number of sales you make, as an example. Another thing that managers started to say was things like, well, I noticed that Margaret has the same proficiency in available time as Joanne, but lower call volume. And again, you might not see that if you're just looking at absolute numbers. What we started to notice was that her unavailable time was fine. It was it was looking like everybody else's, but she seemed to be taking an awful lot of breaks. So when we started to map her agent states, and we were able to pull all this raw data out and look at it in Power BI. We started to see that you know most people take two, three breaks in a day, and Margaret was taking 184. So what on earth was Margaret doing? Well, Margaret was very smart. She was shuffling. And essentially what that means is she would sit in queue. She would see that she was in queue and there were three other agents. And she would periodically shuffle herself back to the back of the queue by going unavailable and going available again. So she was 
always available when agent when, when the manager looked. She was always in an available state, but she was just sneaking to the back of the queue so she'd be the last agent chosen. So again, data like that, you don't always see unless you're really looking for that data. And you definitely don't see if, you're, if your focus is tactical, if your focus is floor level, if your focus is on the specific people in the specific seats moving mouths. The other thing that the data can be helpful to see is some of our managers began to realize that Evan wasn't making a lot of outbound calls. So the question is, well, what's, what's different for Evan? As they started to drill into the adherence for this agent, they started to see that Evan was being very careful not to receive outbound calls. And, and by outbound calls, I mean automated dialer calls. What he would do is every time he wrapped up an inbound call, he would go into training. So he would sit there and he would watch the queue. And as soon as calls came in inbound, he would just go available and take those calls. So he found outbound leads to be less desirable calls. And that was his way of managing his day. So being able to see that kind of data again and understand that that means that you're not executing your marketing strategy, that you're not reaching your leads, that you're losing speed to lead in those situations because of that kind of work avoidance, that data is really, really helpful. And again, if you're only focusing on who's sitting where, doing what in the moment, you don't always see that bigger picture. It certainly wasn't as noticeable in the office. So our conclusion through all of this experience was that the data is in there and you have to use it. You have to be aware of the bigger picture trends and, and they're easier to see when you take the face out of it. And I, I know that sounds very impersonal, but there's ways to be personal in a remote scenario. So what am I saying? Don't go back? No, I'm not saying that. But I am saying as I've said already, that seeing is not believing, right? Just because you see it, something happening in front of you does not mean that what you think you're seeing is correct. And the data has been really, really helpful in showing us that. The physical presence of an employee in front of you does not guarantee a higher level of participation. It just means they're in front of you. So the question is, if you're going to ask people to uproot their lives again and again and return to the office, is that enough? Is that enough for them if you're not adding value to their careers, if you're not offering something to them? Or is it even valuable to you if it's not going to move the game on your mission? So with that in mind, I want us to look at it in a different way. Return for purpose, not obligation. We don't simply go back to the office because we have an office. That's just a real estate contract. That's something we can change. So I'd like people to focus much more on the mission. So there's three areas of the mission I want to think about. Reigniting the mission, evolving the mission, and connecting to the mission. So these are reasons why it's worth having an employee back in the office. So what do I mean by reignite the mission? Well, we all know we're, what we're doing in a business. And in ours, we're selling contracts, we're supporting contracts, and we're processing claims. So if I want to reignite that mission, it means training. It means bringing people in for specific training purposes to get them engaged on why we're doing this or to get them engaged on how to do this better. And also to build team around that mission. And that's what I mean by reigniting. Now, let's talk about evolving the mission. What do I mean by that? I mean, taking the mission to the next level, which means brainstorming, you know, spending time whiteboarding, problem solving together, you know, understanding customer pain points, understanding moments of friction in the process, either in sales, customer service, or in our situation, claims as well. Those are reasons to spend time together or connect the mission, improving our social connectedness in work, revitalizing our culture. Those are that kind of connecting to our mission helps 
build high-performing teams as well because they understand and connect to what we're doing and why we're doing it together. And if you want to reduce churn, um, it's not just about location. It's about believing in what you're doing. So that's why I would say over anything, we want to return for purpose, not obligation. And what does that look like in reality? Does that mean they have to come back every day? It actually doesn't. So one of my former employers introduced me to the concept of the power day. And what they meant by a power day is when you come in, you're coming in to do a specific thing, like you have your meetings on the day you come in. And I would say that that's a really good concept to align around, that when agents return to the office, they come in short waves for a power day, like every other Tuesday, so that you can plan the reigniting the mission, the evolving the mission, the connecting to the mission. You can align your activities on those days to that, which means they're coming in for something more important than they're leaving with something that adds value to the next activity that they do when they're at home. What does that look like then for the employee? Well, there's a bit of a carrot and a stick here, right? So to stay home, you have to maintain your metrics. You have to maintain professionalism and you have to maintain an appropriate environment, which means, you know, internet, which means an environment that will in in some way allow you to be professional, to be able to support your customers and to not distract from the experience you're trying to deliver. What happens if you can't? Well, you come back because we need you to. So there's an incentive in terms of the employee participation. We're saying, we trust you to maintain your metrics. We trust you to do the work we need to. We have data that shows us that you're doing it. And if you can execute against our mission, we'll support you in that. But we are going to ask you to come in sometimes. We are going to ask you to engage sometimes because it's going to advance the mission and make you more successful. So main takeaways for me, I would say employees have already proved that they can effectively work from home. They had to. If anybody thinks they haven't, I don't know how you're still in business because the reality is is that we had to pivot. We had no choice. We made it work and we made it work well, despite all the misgivings that we may have had either on the business side or on the IT side. Next takeaway would be we have to understand our data. We have to use it to improve productivity and we have to use data to make decisions, not impressions and visuals. And the last thing I would say, like I said already, return for purpose, not obligation. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop sharing. I'm going to hand back to our host and uh, open it up to more questions. Excellent. I thought that was great. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, perfect. Just making sure. <laughs> it's, all, it's the first thing everyone says. Can you sh- see my screen and can you hear me? That's the lingo around uh, working from home. I yeah, have to say and then, that- of course, the background noise that people <laughs> always complain about. But I'll say in all that, the background noise gives you moments of empathy. Uh, the dog making noise gives you a moment to connect with the customer. The child making noise gives you a moment to connect with the customer. So there's some wins in that too, right? Yes. Especially in the world of today that if you, if you don't have any background noise, you're the abnormal conversation with the others, right? Exactly. So I have a lot of questions myself because there is so much information that you gave us. I literally wrote down a whole page of them, but there are some questions in the chat as well. So I'm going to just start with my questions and pepper in the ones from the chat. In terms of, let's go all the way back to this stars aligning and that perfect alignment of you guys knowing you needed to pivot and then COVID hitting. Yeah. You didn't know what you didn't know in terms of what that actually would look like in terms of we're taking steps to, you know, to be able to go to cloud, but now we we need to go to cloud to bring in that, that everyone's not no longer going to be on the floor. 
What was the decision process like for you guys to make that pivot? Had you already selected, as you said, nice in contact by then? And how did you work with them to make additional changes that were needed to make that pivot? We had delivered. Okay. We had delivered our project. There was a lot of objections in the early part of the project to the fact that you could access the platform from anywhere. That was actually negative feedback that we got. And we had to take the business on a journey to say that someday there's going to be a snow day in Chicago. And you're going to be really, really glad that people can, that some people are able to take calls from home. So I know it's not your long-term vision, but it would be criminal to turn off these capabilities in, in this day and age. And luckily, I mean, you know, if, like I said earlier, if you want to be the hero of your own story, make the right decision at the right time through whatever accident of timing that it all comes together in. I, there was nobody in our business that thought we were going home and there was nobody in our business that thought we'd be home for very long or very few people anyway, maybe a few visionaries out there for sure. Probably my boss, but not me. I thought it would be very temporary. I thought we'd be back in four to six weeks, but we weren't. It worked out. And so I have a, a question from the chat in regard to these points of resistance, this, the platform being able to be, you know, logged in from anywhere. What else from inside the organization or the higher ups, you know, that you got from them that you had to kind of prove or, or show that, that this is the way forward that kind of set the tone that this is going to be okay. What were you seeing yeah. in terms of resistance? I think we didn't see as much resistance as a need for it to be done tomorrow once the decision was made. That's for sure. But the reason I would say that there wasn't as much resistance is because we took the time up front to establish that the problem that we had was pretty scary in terms of not having the visibility into it that we needed to, in terms of not being able to predict the staffing that we needed, in terms of not being able to measure accountability of employees. And you know, the call center is all about measurements. If you can't measure your call center, it's not a call center. So I think it was easy to get past those types of objections. It was more about the process and, and, and the big investment for us was in training. Because the major points of resistance are going to be we're busy. We, you know, you can't you can't impact the sales for at this point or at the end of the month or at the start of the month or at the end of the quarter. There's going to be a lot of different points where you can't impact different processes because they're business processes. You know, you can't impact the claims floor during, during the times of years when we're most busy. It's as simple as that. So for us, it was making sure that we had good external partners picked to help us with training and built bespoke training that were exactly to the business needs. We engaged the business. We engaged our trainers as well. We engaged all of our early training internal partners as UAT testers as well. So as they were learning the system and learning to be an agent and practicing, they were also running our test cases to make sure it worked for the business and all of the different things that we needed to do could be delivered for them in in the way that they wanted. And I think that those are the moments of resistance that breed people who want to be heroes. So we made them the heroes of their own journey. Yes, empower the people. I feel like that's the, the, that's a key takeaway that you've also mentioned. So going into this internal management of you've deployed this huge culture change 
in terms of what your internal team looks like in order to keep this going, you know, who is looking at the data, who's managing the training, who is deciding what additional metrics should be added for you guys to look at, you know, what does that look like? Some of that's an IT function, some of it's not. Because if you look at it from a training point of view, the training team manages this process end to end. Although we manage training new managers so that they know how the system can support them and how to how to run a business in that world. From a point of view of the metrics to look at and, and that type of thing, all of this is done in, in partnership with the business, which means our business analysts, uh, our business analytics team defines exactly what we're looking at. They work with our data team to define exactly the views that they want to see in Power BI, the metrics they want to measure. And it all aligns to you know, ultimately, how we support our customers, how we service our customers, how we sell to our customers, and how we pay our people, which means obviously we have to we have to measure our commissions process through this as well. But we have a lot of data that can support the business at this point, which is really helpful in, in them being able to execute against their strategy. So I have a specific question in terms of that add-on of getting feedback from the agents about the specific calls. Was that something that you guys developed? Something that was out of, you know, out of the box of the solution that you purchased or like, how do you, how did you come up with that? We were actually lucky. It was part of the solution that we provided. So it's just a simple click on a button during a call and make your little report as you go on. And it's not a substitute for an IT ticket, but it helps when we get that ticket to be able to relate it to all of the different reports of that issue and also helps us be able to be faster in terms of responding to issues. Because when we start to see trends pile up there, we're able to see we might have a bigger issue today than usual because we can see a lot of people are talking about one-way audio. So we can look into that in a more proactive way. So it helps inform some IT operational decisions we make as well as being reactive to the business when they need us to. Um, okay. The things that we developed ourselves that are more bespoke, our, our, our developers uh, basically developed a, a custom screen pop that pulls from our data platform. So within our customer data platform, we have all of the history, either of a lead or a customer relationship, uh, their vehicle, all the information. And when a call comes in, we're able to pop that information right up in front of them. And that's, that's where having a team of developers is really, really helpful in that engagement. No, that sounds really interesting because it sounds like you don't know what you don't know until it's right in front of you. And then having the ability to quickly make changes and, and take in that feedback, I think is key. In terms of like employee engagement and participation, what is the specific, let's say like five things that you or metrics that you're really reviewing to ensure, you know, this is a good one and you know, this is a bad, yeah. not a bad one, but a lower performance one or, or yeah. whatever that may be. Probably say the business are better at answering that one than IT, but specifically, I mean, they look at login time, they look at number of calls, they look at hold time, they look at after call work, and, and to a certain degree, then the workforce management metrics around adherence, that's a huge one for us. Because it's not enough for me to say, you need to work between nine and five. I've calculated a shift. The system has decided that you need to take a break at 10.15 and take a lunch at 12 and, and, and another break at 3.15. And it's calculated that because it's it's taken our customers' needs into account. So adherence is a metric that is hugely important to the business because we're able to see, are we supporting our customers the way we expect it to? Are we doing exactly what we expect to do when, when we expect them to do it? 
Excellent. And then just looking at the metrics and then looking at the data and you kind of showed us in terms of where you guys are today, you started at 95% of your employees on site. Mm-hmm. As of today, May 2022, what is that percentage? Do you know? I have one person in an office in Northbrook plus the male person. So that's two. <laughs> and I have three managers who are, are working together downtown right now in Chicago. So it's five people. <laughs> you know, I'd, say we're, I'd say we're below 1%. <laughs> you know? So that's where we're at. We thrived at home. Our numbers have showed it. There, there are definitely mm-hmm. people who are interested in looking at going back. It, it becomes a periodic topic of conversation. There's, there's no question that there won't be some level of on-site participation. But right now, my participation has been with purpose. If there's an executive meeting where we need to you know, read out some results or engage with the business, we, we go in for those kinds of meetings if they're in person. And if they're not, we uh, work together on uh, Plug Microsoft Teams, but it could be any collaboration uh, platform. Excellent. And I will say, looking at the results that you showed on the visual side of things, and I'm sorry for the podcast listeners who didn't see the numbers, they are really good numbers. (laughs) I will say those are outstanding numbers, very much not what I expected to see in the ranges that you gave. So that was really, really cool to see. Yeah. You know Um, what? I I always say it or forget to say it sometimes. The reality is most people come to work to work and they work very, very hard. And in the cases where we kind of the data exposes people who aren't, they're people who are pulling away from everybody else's achievement of the mission. The majority of people just come to work to do a really good job and they're a really good team. So I'm always proud to work with them. Yes. Especially now that you can really weed out the ones that are, are working and, and the ones that are beating the system in some sort of way, the things that you, you discussed, I would have never thought of, you know, having a service call in and, and yes. things of that nature. Those are just crazy to, to think about and, to see that happen in real-time data, as you said, you know, going from operating off of Excel spreadsheets to putting everything on Power BI. I can imagine that was just mind-blowing for everyone in the organization. I think it is. I also spend a lot of time in the bowels of Reddit where, you know, customer service agents post the tricks that they do. So I'd spend time on these Reddits and try and understand, okay, how do I measure that? How do I find that? So, So it was like the internet helped me to look at data differently too. Oh, Reddit, the rabbit hole of Reddit. I can only imagine how that went for you. It was fun. It was scary. Yeah. I think that's all the questions that I had. I'm just double checking to see if if I grabbed everything off the chat, which I think I did. Any last words, thoughts, tips, wisdom that you might want to give anyone that's looking into maybe somebody that has put a band-aid in order to pivot and now are looking for a a long-term solution that you you might want to share sure it's way time it's way past time to be beyond the band-aid you know (laughs) if people put in if people put in a hot spot in their house to support their internet connection two years ago it's time to commit to you know one of the service providers pick your poison um from the point of view of of call center, you can continue to work the way you work. You can continue to work with the technology you have, but the amount of data 
that modern cloud platforms, whether it's Genesis, whether it's Five Nines, whether it's Nice or you know Amazon or Twilio or any of the other platforms, the amount of data that you can get that can really make a difference between how you manage your call center and how you grow your mission, it's just tremendous. And being able to access that and run reports and build your own reports like that, it just makes a huge difference. So I would say, think about the mission and think about the points of friction in your mission and see, you know, are you really achieving the mission that you set out to achieve? And are, are you holding yourself back from opportunity? But that's really the difference. If you can think about the opportunity, what could you do if you weren't focusing on patching this together? I have one question that came in through the chat. It's actually two questions. If workers don't want to go back into the office, what are some good tools that can either keep them happy as well as more productive? Do you guys have any tricks or apart from the data that mm-hmm. you're looking at, you know, yeah. what else are you doing on top of that to ensure I'm just going to say data is everything it is absolutely <laughs> everything. The, the thing about it is, is if you, if you really want to go back to the office and you think that that is the best thing for your call center and you've been living in data for the last two years, don't stop. Because, you know, as, as you know, our, our director of customer service said to me, I was so mad when I realized that they actually weren't working. And I thought they were <laughs> because when I'd been in the office, I, I could have sworn everybody was working really hard. Don't, don't let yourself get sucked back into that horrible vortex again, because, you know, you're just fooling yourself if you don't use data to run a call center. That's the whole point of it. So, you know, in terms of keeping people engaged and that kind of thing, hold people accountable to the same things. And try not to have a two-tier structure for meetings. Some of the features that are starting to hint at future availability on some of these collaboration platforms would be the ability, some of them have them already, to be able to have a virtual meeting room so that everybody has a seat at the table visually on the screen. I I think that those are the things that are going to be really, really important, particularly for high-performing teams of managers where some might be remote. You, You really don't want to create that two-tier structure. You don't want to uh, create that situation. You know, in the olden days, it used to be the person who smoked uh, with the boss, learned everything that was going on in the building. You don't want to open yourself up to that because if the pandemic has taught us anything, it's taught us to look at the possibilities of people we never noticed before. So ultimately, we have choices and it's very easy to go on gut. It's very easy to go on visual. It's very easy to go with what the eye can see, but the data is just so much more revealing. Data, data, data. (laughs) I'm too passionate about this stuff, but it it works. It it works. It's just the most simple arbiter uh, of all of these uh, business decisions that need to be made. I'm a believer. I've drunk the Kool-Aid. I'm going to (laughs) go see if I can put some data on some metrics on on things that I'm working on and and look at the data and and go from there. But thank you so much for your time this afternoon. I hope that everyone has enjoyed all this information that you've given us. I will put your LinkedIn as well as the, the link to your TED Talk in the show notes so people can go right from there to follow you, connect with you and see what else you've said in other platforms as well. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye.